Welcome to Zenchem Youth, a black youth podcast as part of the Suffolk Black Community Forum. We aim to educate and bring awareness to key issues we face, but most importantly, we are young, gifted and black, and this is our space to celebrate that. It's Lanai here, and today I'll be bringing you some of the best clips from our performance at the Prima Donna Festival. Jawanda and I had the privilege of delivering a um, live talk to an audience there, and it was incredible. Um, I'd first of all like to say thank you to the Prima Donna Festival and Lucinda for looking after us and giving us this opportunity. Thank you to Alma Glasgow at Black Aspire Suffolk, who made it all happen for us, and also Karen Walker and... Um, the Suffolk Black Community Forum who gave us the idea to do a talk and um, gave us all of their support. Really hope you enjoy listening. So the first question, what does it mean to be black? Um, I'll go first. Mm -hmm. But to me personally, I think of community, I think of culture, I think of family, love, um, just identity because it's who I am. And that's what, when you first see me, you you see my skin. So I feel like I have a lot of background um, to me and I'm just very proud, just very proud to be a black person. And, you know, I feel like there's been so many years where, you know, being black was a bad thing and, you know, just seen as just, just wrong and wasn't, you know, inhuman. So I feel like now we get to appreciate our blackness and our culture. Mm. And I think that's important. So. For me, trying to find, um, kind of my home in my heritage was difficult because I was going to school every day and being told that that wasn't beautiful and it mm. wasn't okay to look the way I did and I should change my hair and I why is my hair so big and so out and um, yes because our hair is like a representation of our culture so yeah when we hear comments like oh you'll look so nice with straight hair it's quite offensive mm -hmm. and really cause I wasn't we wasn't born with straight hair and not problem with straight hair but our our, you know, kinky, curly hair is just as beautiful. So definitely, I feel like slight comments like that is it's just it can be ignorance. But sometimes I understand people don't know that they can come across offensive. Definitely. So yeah, I do try to point that out, and you know, because they might not mean to, you know, offend, mm -hmm. but it's just the microaggression. Is it's you know, it just needs to be pointed out. So I do try to, you know say that hey like you know there's nothing wrong with my looks yeah. please like i look fine you know if i wanted to have it this way or have it straight it's definitely doesn't really matter i remember when i first got dreadlocks and i was still at school and i was really really scared to go into school because i was like mum what is everyone going to say and she said you know why does that matter um because this is for you and i went into school and lo and behold the bullying commenced and it was really difficult because it was like, oh, so you smoke weed now and you're Bob Marley <laughs> and your hair's so messy and it's not professional and it looks dirty and do you wash it? And all of these questions. And often we talk about those as microaggressions, but to me, they weren't micro um, because as a 14 year old, um, being bombarded with that, it didn't feel micro to me. It was macro and it affected the way that I saw myself. And now I'm very proud to have my hair as it is. I want to end it off with a poem by Maya Angel um, Angelou. So it's called Still I Rise. Um, she's a black activist, uh, poet, writer, just an all-round boss lady. Love her. So um, I'm just going to start it off. Yeah, yeah. So you may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? 
Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like sun, with a certainty of ties, just like hope swinging high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like air I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I, I rise. rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I, I rise. rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I, I rise. rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I, I rise. rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I, I rise, rise, I rise, rise, I rise. And the sun's come out after that. Yeah. See? <laughs> that is a sign. <laughs> so the next question, which is interesting, is are you appreciating us or appropriating us? Now, talk to me, Jay. Okay, well, this... <sighs> It's a bit, it's a bit, you can go in like so many avenues, but I would like to touch on the subject with um, black features, right? So um, back in school, I used to get bullied for how my lips were, right? Um, just how big they were. And, you know, um, like me being curvaceous, I would get called fat when really I just wasn't fat. I was just, you know, very curvy. And people would just see it as a bad thing. And then when a non-black person was to exploit my features, they would get so much credit, so much recognition, and it's seen as beautiful. So when it comes from, you know, a black person, it's seen as, you know, horrible, bad ghetto, but from another race, it's seen as, you know, beautiful, exotic, you know, it's just, it's kind of a slap in the face, really. Mm -hmm. And I had to grow up being bullied for my features and then for it to just be a trend, everyone's getting lip fillers, everyone's getting surgery, had big bums, like, you know, it's it's kind of, it's very like exploitation in, yeah. in my eyes. So I just feel like there's certain things that, you know, you can appreciate, but like to appropriate and then, then be representing like our features when really we are, you know, we are, mm. you know, the originators. It's kind of, it's kind of very hurtful and like fair enough if you, if you want to get these things done, but there's been so many cases where even from hairstyles, our hairstyles been seen as ghetto, like just not presentable, whilst another person like, you know, not of black heritage mm. gets appreciated for it, for, for, you know, something that, they didn't like have in the first place. For me, it's like people want our features, but they don't want the struggle that accompanies that. And when we walk out into the world, you know, when people, because now things have shifted a bit. So sometimes when I go out now, it's like, you're so pretty and your hair and let me touch it. And, let, and it's like, okay, so it's almost like you're still being objectified, but it's in a different way. So now that the reemergence of the campaign has come out, people are obviously desperate to be 
kind of an ally, which is amazing, but sometimes we need to be really careful about how we're doing that and the approach we're taking. So mm-hmm. we still don't want people to almost come and pet us like dogs and say, you know, I'm with you and I love you and <laughs> I have black friends as well. And that isn't the most helpful thing people can do. And I understand completely um, that it can be really challenging. And I know I'm sitting here today and, and speaking quite openly about things, but I've spent most of my life not saying anything. And when people have come to touch my hair, I just have to sit there and take it. Or when people make comments, I'm not able to report it because often when these things directly happen, um, sadly, due to systemic and institutional racism, it's not that easy to speak up about things or report it. So often we just have to take this stuff. And when we've been kind of experienced bullying due to the way we look and now actually people from other communities have decided actually I quite like that and I'm going to take different parts of you and put it on me and I'm going to get a million likes from it so if we look at the Kardashians for example Mm -hmm. you know their curvaceous features slightly racially ambiguous um kind of face where you're really tanned but not too dark um and you know, bigger lips and and all of these things which we feel has has come from our culture, but when it's on them because they have a, you know, a slimmer nose and... Yeah, just Eurocentric features, really. But, you know, we just don't have the privilege to, you know, um, like... Black people, we call it, we have different shades, right? Not everyone has the like privilege yeah. of like lighter skins mm-hmm. or like slimmer nose. So it all varies, like you know, with like the Eurocentric beauty standards that you know we hold today. So yeah. just because they have that, they get put in the spotlight, whilst the black people yeah. with the you know bigger features, bigger noses, bigger lips, bigger bums, they just get pushed at the back. So mm-hmm. I would say that's you know appropriating because yeah. you know we're not representing you know fully as mm-hmm. you know they are in the public so terminology is really important so even when we look at slavery which again we'll come back to you later because often when people think about blackness we do think about slavery which as we should it still impacts us today but i find that even the subtleties in the uk even of how we discuss things so for example We say the slave trade. Now, there's a few problems I have with that. When we say the word slaves, no. They were enslaved people. And the word trade almost implies to me that it was a consensual exchange, like a business, and it wasn't. These were enslaved people that were stolen from their homes um, as if they were objects and they were people. And although the the slave um, trade was abolished, um, it we are still us. suffering yeah. with that now. Because I feel like my heritage, I'm Caribbean mm-hmm. and African-American. So on my dad's side, African-American, one side is Caribbean. My dad's side of the family, they don't know where they come from, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I can't, you know, go on Ancestries.com and, you know, try to figure out where my, you know, great-great-great-grandparents were because it's not, it's not, you know, reported. It's not, you know, I don't have anything. So... I feel like there's so much history that we have lost and not p- people's like, oh, well, slavery is like, you know, mm. it's done, it's, you know, it's over now. You can just live your life. No, because from slavery, there was poverty for black people. Mm. And, you know, we, there's 400 years of us trying to catch up 
with you know other races mm-hmm. so I think that you know I do occasionally I think like okay I could be part of a tribe like I don't I don't know about this I have a native name my my last name is Parsons and it's not my it's not my name it's a white person's name so I can I probably would never know my actual real you know heritage name or my actual native language so I feel like even that is kind of ups- not kind of it is upsetting because I would love to know more about my history so mm. yeah do you think we can change current systems or do we need to just start again <laughs> in my opinion I think we should start again I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's very biased and you know it there's certain laws that you know set us apart or just discriminates us like the systemic racism is within employment within education within you know healthcare like you know you you guys might not see it but for us it's you know there's stigmas in everything that we do so yeah. I feel like even from schools I would love to know that you know um there was black panthers up in london running i just didn't i had to find out research myself because ever since that black <laughs> black um you know lives movement it was like everyone woke up and was like you know what we need to do more we need to research like even i because you know i wasn't doing you know much for my culture or learning about my culture before that and that movement the whole george floyd and seeing that it was like no this is important i need to learn my history so i feel like even changing from schools and having you know diverse cultures within history i think is very helpful mm. so yeah definitely and i think the systems that you listed um we've had experiences of racism throughout all of those um but something i also realized that I volunteer for quite a few different charities and when the Black Lives Matter movement re-emerged because it has existed since 2013 Mm -hmm. um, I kind of was like okay I'm going to surround my volunteering now on BLM and I was asked to come and speak to different people and I was like okay great like um, I can try and inform things here and and help people but I quickly realized that it was like a tick box So I was going to speak at places in which people wanted me to share my trauma of racism for them to say, oh, how sad, and do nothing. (laughs) Um, And so I started going to places and saying, today when I speak to you, I'm not going to tell you about the experiences of racism I've had, because actually you shouldn't have to hear that in order to want to make change. And I felt that people were needing to see our pain in order to find motivation. And it's like, no, no, no. Um, because we shouldn't have to prove to you that this exists. And, of course, we've seen a lot of um, things recently about does systemic and institutional racism exist and this kind of debate and things which are not actually coming from our community. And that's highly offensive to us because every single day of our lives, we don't get a break. And so, although I feel that I'm quite a forgiving person and I am very understanding on how difficult this topic is. I'm also quite strict that I feel for me we don't get a rest and so for other people that are almost tired or not sure what to do or feel do we have to keep talking about this? Well yes because we don't get the privilege of resting from racism and if you are someone that does we just really value your support and it's not saying that you have to stand up everywhere and say black lives matter. (laughs) But it just means going home and when you see one of those articles, do a bit more research. 
get some black literature in your homes. <laughs> um, there's so many different ways that we can help be a part of this. Um, and I think as well, we, we do need to start again, um, but that's going to take a long time. Mm. And so for now, I think let's change what already exists. And all of us can have a role to play in that in all of our workplaces. If we see racism, actually, we're not going to sit there and take that. We're going to go to our manager and report that we've heard something or, you know, to a black colleague. Are you making sure that when you want to ask something, you're thinking about it first? Um, it's all of these little things. And I'm going to read you another poem now. I really love poetry, <laughs> if you couldn't tell, because um, I think it can really help us to express things. And this is from John Agard, and it's called Checking Out My History. And I like this one because it really sums up my experience of school, that it was very centred around um, British history, but I wasn't empowered in my own. Um, and so I'll read that to you now. Them tell me, them tell me what them want to tell me. Bandage up me eye with my own history. Blind me to my own identity. Them tell me about 1066 and all that. Them tell me about Dick Whittington and his cat. But to Sant Overture, no, them never tell me about that. To Sant, a slave with vision, lick back Napoleon, battalion and first back Republican. Born to Saint de Thorn, to the French to Saint de Beacon of the Haitian Revolution. Them tell me about the man who discovered the balloon and the cow who jumped over the moon. Them tell me about the dish ran away with a spoon, but them never tell me about Nanny de Maroon. Nanny, seafar woman of mountain dream, firewoman struggle, hopeful stream to Freedom River. Them tell me about Lord Nelson and Waterloo, but them never tell me about Shaka the Great Zulu. Them tell me about Columbus and 1492, but what happened to the Caribs and the Arawaks too? Them tell me about Florence Nightingale and Shilamp and how Robin Hood used to camp. Them tell me about old King Cole was a merry old soul, but them never tell me about Mary Seacole. From Jamaica, she traveled far to the Crimean War, she volunteered to go. And even when the British said no, she still braved the Russian snow. A healing star among the wounded, a yellow sunrise to the dying. Them tell me, them tell me what them want to tell me. But now I'm checking out my own history. I'm carving out my identity. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to now almost re- um, do the history that we learnt in school and yes. trying to find power in our ancestors. I think the Windrush generation um, yeah. who really rebuilt the UK after the war, again, that's another set of community that we just don't value but, enough. Yeah, because me coming from a Caribbean mm -hmm. um, background, my granddad was part of the Windrush, you know, um, he helped, he's an engineer, so he helped, you know, um, just society in, in England and my nan's done nursing. Like, these people came over post-World War II to help out the economy. And I feel like I didn't know any of this, you know, in school. You know, it's my history. Like, mm -hmm. I understand, you know, British culture, British history, fine. But we, as English country, we are quite diverse. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with sharing, you know, other people's cultures, other people's backgrounds. And, you know, it's just 
more education of other people's cultures is just less ignorance in my opinion mm-hmm. so um i feel like <laughs> i feel like the stuff that you know we get passed on from our elders is our history and you know sometimes we can't get that in books in school so it's just good to hear from my elders i love hearing stories from my granddad my nan you know when they're coming coming to england with nothing and you know building you know what they have now i'm very grateful for that so mm-hmm. yeah because without them i wouldn't be here for us even looking at say the curriculum for example by learning about other cultures it benefits all of us mm-hmm. um as you know it's important to learn about british culture by incorporating real black history in the curriculum that doesn't just benefit us because i believe learning about our ancestors and our kings and queens that's going to inspire anyone i think um and i think we can all find the beauty in where we've come from because africa has contributed to the foundations of many things mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh we'd need uh several weeks to even touch <laughs> on the on the contributions i'm very proud of that um and so i think yeah we we just all need to talk about things more and have these conversations more yeah definitely um i would like to ask if anyone has any questions any inquiries literally shout out there's no wrong answers or questions sorry yeah we want to open the floor a bit so yeah so, so something i think about a lot cause i work in uh, theater mm-hmm. and sometimes i direct or work on, on projects and stuff and um, sometimes with, um, it's not just black actors, but you know, actors of all, all ethnicities really other than white, mm-hmm. I sometimes want to worry about the line, you kind of spoke to it earlier, between inviting somebody to bring their culture mm-hmm. into, say, a performance like, mm-hmm. as an actor, mm-hmm. um, and then almost maybe veering into like over-encouraging that to a point where it's like, oh, well, you're a black actor so let's have a black performance or you know let you know what I mean almost yeah. being like I don't know whether the actor might come into that room and feel like I, I, I would like more space mm. to um, bring in my my culture particularly yeah. if it's like say a Shakespeare play or something where it's not going to be in the text yeah. mm. um, or whether they don't want that brought up and yeah. it's like you know why why would I be asked to I don't know. Speak to speak mm-hmm. to my culture, where maybe a white actor. I'm not saying. Yeah. You know, wh- where are you from? You've got yeah. Irish heritage. Why don't you bring that into the? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I feel it is kind of important to invite them to feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's something. To speak to. I think with um, you know, I don't think you should be oversensitive because it is who they are. Mm. Um, I think we look for representation. So as long as you have, you know, like not overstepping the boundaries, but like just a good representation of, you know, uh, of them in mm. like the theatre, it makes us feel a lot more comfortable. Mm. So um, it's not more so the space; it's more like a rep- representation, and mm. more someone understands, you know, where they're coming from. Mm. But I don't think you should be oversensitive if you want them to, you know, experience like you want to, you know, show their culture a lot more in the theatre I think there's nothing wrong with that I think it's actually great you might speak to some black actors that their race they don't want it to be their master status and they don't want it to be part of their acting they'd rather not do that in that space um and so I think as long as you're just giving people the option that's all that matters can I ask about you guys yes um, um 
when you talk like that, it sounds very fresh, but it also sounds very like you've done it loads of times. You know, it's very professional. No, um, is it? So, <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, you're incredibly eloquent. Eloquent. You didn't have any ums or ahs, or you didn't lose your train. Of oh, that was my biggest fear. <laughs> seamless, but yeah, it's very fresh. So how? Which is it? Is it? Is it, is it, is it, is it <laughs> Should we be honest? Or <laughs> this is our first talk ever. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say that. Um, so I live in Birmingham at the moment because I'm studying, and she lives in London. And but we grew up in Ipswich. Yeah. Um, so when we were raised in Ipswich, so our experience from it's a big change from London to Ipswich. It's a big, big change, especially with diverse and people around around mm. me. I have a lot more black friends in London, barely any black friends in Ipswich, but that's fine. Mm. But I was definitely exposed to more racism in Ipswich than I was in London. Mm. So I got to, you know, experience both sides. And, you know, I, we've been talking about this a mm -hmm. lot. So it's, but it wasn't like actual official official <laughs> us talking to like loads of people yeah. it was just one-to-one -one. people would just ask me where are you from and then they'll be like oh i don't know where this you know how did you grow up in that area so mm. yeah it's just we just kind of naturally talk about it and it's fine mm. and i feel as we educate people and you know continue to learn ourselves i think it's just a great conversation to have mm. you know and it's very healing as well. Like I found that for us, like we went, we were in sixth form together. Um, and so we've, we've been through quite a lot together and doing this, like when, I don't know if you do this, but like reflecting on where we were, like when we were in sixth form, when I first met you in year 12 mm -hmm. and we were just going through a lot. Like we couldn't even think about BLM because there was just so many other things in our lives happening. And we were just like sisters and we connected and that was of course very much due to our culture but it's amazing now if younger Lana and Jay could like see where we are here. She, I think they'd be like, she okay. Wouldn't, she wouldn't believe it to be <laughs> no. honest. Uh, no, I feel like I'm very proud of just being here talking about it because it's just, when that whole George Floyd, I felt so helpless at home, I couldn't do anything about it mm. and me and Lana, we have the same views on everything. So when she came to me and said, oh, I'm doing this podcast. Didn't that, really give her a choice. Yeah. She, said, you are doing she, it. She held me, like, I was in Bar's cage. She held, she held No, but I was glad to do it. When she mentioned it, I was like, no, this is, this is amazing. This, we should do this. And especially within Suffolk, where, you know, the culture needs to be more diverse and just spoke about more mm. than so London, you know? And I didn't care about the podcast, really. I just wanted black young people to have a space to just speak, even if it didn't make anything or go anywhere, just to have a chat with each other. Because if anyone listens to the podcast, I'm not an editor <laughs> and I don't have much time. And so they're just very raw conversations and little snip, um, kind of a look into our lives a little bit. Um, but really it's just been great to like talk more about this stuff. Yeah, and we do want to expand, so we do want yeah. to have a whole YouTube channel. Um, okay, I merch. don't know no, where the ready. funding's coming no, from. But... No, I'm ready for the yeah. future. Like, I actually see really big things with this, and you know, I want more guests, I want more speakers. We definitely want to do more with this podcast, so yeah. I'm excited for the future. I, I 
Mm-hmm. Oh, thank very you. you know what I find interesting about the environment which is really important at the moment now more than ever is that um, I feel well first of all I think there needs to be more of the black community within that I feel that sometimes it can feel like an intimidating space where is that really for us and it definitely is because I think you and I are fighting for the same thing and if we connect as people then looking at environmental issues are going to be much easier because um, if we don't connect you and I, then how are we going to connect with the world and look after it? Um, so that's definitely a conversation we have to have. You had a question? Well, first of all, I'd just like to work out what this lady here said. Her delivery was excellent. Um, oh, thank you. Thank there's you. a million and one questions that went through <laughs> my head as you were talking. Most of them disappeared. But do you think... I'm just checking. Looking at... From your experience, because we don't experience mm. what you experience, so mm-hmm. it's sometimes hard to put ourselves in your place. But yeah. do you think racism is getting worse, better, or is it just a constant threat? Do you feel there's any changes? I'm thinking about, you know, the Euros, the football. Yeah. Know, I've always said to my partner, you know, I've always had this feeling that there's an underlying yeah, racist I've, element, especially in Britain. Suppressed. Yeah. I feel like in Britain, it's, it's not upfront in your face, as you know, you will see, like, probably compared to American issues, like, they're pretty much maybe a little bit more in your face. But I feel like this country is a bit more hidden and not, you don't know if, you know, you come across a racist or not. It's just, like, underlining, you know, things that they do. Um, I don't know if it's getting worse or better. I feel like you have to judge it because every black person experience is different. So let me just put that out there. And my experience could vary from someone else's. A black person can go through, you know, their life and not probably not, not possible, but probably not experience racism or another one could actually be traumatized from racism that they were, you know, brought up in. Mm -hmm. So it just varies from different Mm -hmm. people. Um, I would say for me, uh, I got a lot of ignorant comments, just... Based on my skin colour, I just didn't think I was, you know, um, beauty standards. And that was just because of the media. And the media is constantly growing. So if we see this, I feel like, you know, our culture is being exploited by other races. And then when mine is just being seen as really bad. Mm-hmm. And I got, I got to see that as a child. But now I've come, I'm coming to terms with, you know, my skin is actually beautiful. My hair is fine. It's normal. It's beautiful. And... I come to a realization now. I just feel like a lot of young black kids mm. don't know their self worth, mm. like self worth, and we're here to just remind them that yeah. you're valid and you're important. So, yeah. So we're trying to lessen the racism yeah. and uh, just ex- just explain how we feel and just hopefully it gets through to people. Mm. 
I'll just, um, so I write some poetry myself, and I'm just going to read you a small part of one of them that kind of connects to the racism that's current now. Can you see me when I lie under my sheets, the overwhelming fear surrounding me, but the next day I'm in school promising everything's okay? Can you see me as a missing child when my groom has taken me away, or is it easier for you to believe I'm just another runaway? Can you see me for me when the media turns my passion into aggression, the relentless ignorant comments, questions on our hair, our culture, just perpetuating our oppression? Can you see me when I get stopped and searched nine times more than my white counterpart? Can you see me before I have to die at the hands of a knife, or will I just be another statistic in the chart? Don't know my daily struggle, yet we get, stop blaming the white. Please realise racism can be much more subtle than the far right. Can you see me when I came here from another country and my family had no choice but to move, but I'm told I'm not welcome, the language barrier makes you feel uncomfortable and my non-British cultural values must be removed? Yes, it's sad, but we don't want your sympathy. Don't feel guilty for your privilege, use it to give us mobility. I'm not sorry that we will keep talking about the injustices people shouldn't have to face. It will be a whole lot easier if we listen and learn from our communities to maintain a safe space. We appreciate all voluntary, intelligent, genuine contributions. We need you all to be part of the solutions. And so I think measuring racism by better or worse, we can probably never say that for sure because I think it's all bad. Um, But I think for me, it's more about the potential we have. And I think we're more connected than ever now. And we need to use that to come together. Because Black Lives Matter is just one of millions of things that we need to look at. Um, and so just connecting with each other is just the best thing that we can do. Um, and I think like for us, we're just thinking always about like the younger generation and how we can prevent them from experiencing things, even looking at the environment. How can we give them a better world and um, keep them safer? And so I think that's the main motivation, isn't it? Because for sure, yeah, definitely. I think that covered everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank guys. you. <laughs>